about a year ago, for some reason, I came across the list of the role of a role of law awardee. I thought nonchalantly to myself as I reviewed the list, that's a club I'll never belong to. Shortly thereafter, I received a voicemail message from President Michael Petizinski. He simply asked me to call him. After I received the message, I thought that maybe he was calling about a committee. It was also the time of the year that the Committee on Convention Planning puts the program for the year into place. A few hours later, I returned his call. And Michael told me that the Board of Governors chose to award me the role of law award. I was beyond astonished. I was still, I am still overwhelmed by this honor. Or as the comedian Mike Myers used to say in his Saturday Night Live skits, I'm very clumped. For the past several years, the Office of the Executive Coordinator has been remarkably busy with, among other things, working to keep our published code of kin law up to date with the revision of canons put forth by various documents issued motu proprio by Pope Francis. I propose that the very spirit of canon law is being developed further by Pope Francis, not only by legislative text, but also by his actions. That very mind of the legislator governs our authentic interpretation of the laws. A significant action of Pope Francis has been the coining of a new word to describe the characteristic of his activity in renewing the church, synodality. This concept and action have been present in the church from its apostolic beginning going back to the Council of Jerusalem. The meaning of this new word is now being developed as it is used by various people who address it. There are some who regard synodality as another term for collegiality. However, I find a distinct difference between the two concepts. Collegiality is restricted to the College of Bishops and their joint responsibility for the universal church. Synodality in the thought of Pope Francis involves a dialogue of all Christians of whatever rank, all members of the church by virtue of their baptism proclaim the good news of the reign of God in their prophetic role and thus participate in their own fashion in the hierarchical ministry. Pope Francis refers to the roots of the word synod when he describes it, walking together. All Christians are companions on the journey. We don't have a GPS to guide us on this trip. Instead of using some algorithm, we must find together the path that the spirit of God is leading us on. As of late, I have come to realize that I am more of a hitchhiker on this journey than a pilgrim. I need help to make this trip. I take this opportunity to thank my colleagues, friends, and fellow pilgrims for picking me up to join you at various times on this trip of work, life, and faith. 
I distinctly remember my first lesson in ecclesiology was in the second grade. <clears throat> Sister Stephen Marie drew a triangle on the blackboard. The triangle had different levels. At the top of the triangle was the Pope. Below him were cardinals, followed by archbishops, then bishops. Underneath were priests, followed by seminarians, and then lay folk at the bottom. I am not sure of Sister's motive or reasoning, but in her wisdom, she placed women religious underneath the triangle. As a second grader, at that time, I did not catch her irony. That diagram appeared to be an accurate depiction of the ecclesiology that was dominant in the church from the mid 16th century until the mid 20th century as the perfect and unequal society. The Second Vatican Council returned ecclesiology to its scriptural and patristic sources. The prevalent theme of current ecclesiology is communion. Pope Francis has concretized or sacramentalized the practical experience of communion in synodality. We as canonists can, and I propose must, use synodality as we work in the authentic interpretation and implementation of canon law in the life of the church. It is the new way of thinking that St. Paul VI used to call, who called us to, and which our late mentor and colleague, Tom Green, was so fond of elaborating. I suggest that a new diagram for the church now is a road with many travelers walking and talking together. The church's ongoing renewal has been a project for 2000 years. Our current participation in this renewal calls for full engagement in synodality. Councils have been part of the history of the church from apostolic times. Such assemblies have taken various shapes through that history as regional councils, provincial councils, ecumenical councils, and now even pastoral and finance councils. The Eastern churches use the term synod more often for their official gatherings. However, the Catholic church uses both terms interchangeably for ecumenical councils. The 1983 Code of Canon Law for the Latin Church introduced a distinction between councils, particular and ecumenical, and synods, namely the Synod of Bishops and Diocesan Synods. The relatively new Institute of the Synod of Bishops, developed by St. Pope Paul VI, employs the term synod for the periodic meeting of bishops. Synodality is rooted in the Christian faithful's sense of the faith. The census fidei fideli. All of the Christian faithful have awareness of the faith. Such consciousness is not limited to a specific group of the Christian faithful. This sense of the faith of the faithful 
is intricately connected to the contemporary consciousness of every citizen's participation in running society, as well as ecumenical developments from the early part of the 20th century. An innovation of the current code of canon law is the enumeration of obligations and rights of every member of the Christian faithful. The first acknowledged obligation and right in the code is true equality in building up the body of Christ according to the condition and function of each member. This principle is part of the magisterium as set forth by St. Pope John XXIII in Pachimenteris and the Second Vatican Council in the church in the modern world. The principle of Canon 119.3 implies the practice of synodality, which touches all as individuals must be approved by all. This principle goes back at least to the time of Gratian. It challenges us to develop new and productive procedures for consultation of all the people of God. Authentic synodality involves a change of heart as well as mind. While the body makeum for the synodal process for the 16th General Assembly of the Synod of Bishops acknowledges the temptation to focus on structural changes, <clears throat> it notes that the experience of journeying together should be primary. The change is from a superiority of some to a vision of companions on the journey. <laughs> it requires full, active, and conscious participation <clears throat> in the mission of the church and an acceptance of co-responsibility on the trip. Another aspect of the required conversion is the acknowledgement that we don't have all the answers. This change is quite challenging for canonists who live with the expectation that we do have all the answers. Another change of heart and mind that is needed is to be more positive about the terms consultation and consultative. Canonists can be obsessed with the distinction between deliberative and consultative. The distinction leaves an impression that consultation is not particularly important. What really matters from this perspective is decision-making. This impression is strengthened with the phrase, merely consultative is used. Such an attitude implicitly denies the power of the spirit to speak to those who are consulted. In synodality, the final decision does not matter as much as the process of speaking freely and listening attentively with the intent of hearing the voice of the Spirit of the Lord speaking in the assembly, whatever its form. 
What is of paramount importance is the truth. This discernment can lead to a productive path forward that previously may not have been considered. One specific institute that is appropriate for synodality is pastoral councils. Canonically, pastoral councils are optional. However, I think that they are a moral imperative in synodality. The choice of the members of a pastoral council in whatever way it is done should have a preferential option for the marginalized so that their voices can be heard. They bring differences among us and can lead us to the acknowledgement of these differences and even to celebration of them. Synodality is an exercise of the communion of the church in the practical everyday life of the church. Leadership in the church needs conversion from seeing itself solely as the teaching church. This conversion, like all authentic conversions, needs to be a conversion of heart as well as of mind. The entire church, lay and clerical, is the teaching church. Clerical leadership is also part of the learning or discerning church. Such a function can only occur when leadership acknowledges the sense of the faith of the faithful in their sisters and brothers in faith, hope, and charity. Synodality must extend to all three areas of church life, faith, worship, and governance. Some strides have been made in introducing synodality into those dimensions, going back to St. John the 23rd, in the preparation and celebration of Vatican II. It was advanced by St. Paul VI, particularly in the establishment of the Synod of Bishops. St. John Paul II and Pope Benedict XVI continued to develop it in their papal ministries. Synodality leads to harmony, moving beyond confrontation and attempts to defeat opinions different from my own. It calls us to further development of our sense of what it means to be church, to be members of the risen, living, glorified body of Christ, joined together and functioning for the well-being of the whole body. It can bring us the gift promised by Christ, true peace. The entire Catholic Church, in preparation for the 2023 Synod of Bishops, is called to participate in this phase. Canonists have a critical role to exercise. One of our responsibilities is to interpret the law. Interpretation depends upon the meaning of the words of the law, both in the text and the context. We must listen to our sisters and brothers in what they understand in the meaning of those words, especially in context. Listening and in turn understanding is no mean task. Finally, I thank my colleagues for this great honor 
extended to me through the Board of Governors, whom we, the members of the Ken Law Society of America, have chosen to be our leadership.